Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew here tonight as we bring you Talking Circles, talking about a bunch of stuff here. We got the uh, NASCAR Xfinity and NASCAR Cup Series in action this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. Of course, the annual 4th of July weekend, which will no longer be a thing here after this year at Daytona. We'll discuss, we'll preview that, talk about who will be fast, also some stage changes there. It's now going to be 50 50 60, the stages at Daytona, so that'll be a little interesting as well, 160-lap race there for those races. Uh, also, we'll, we'll discuss about Jeffrey Earnhardt. He lost, looks like he's uh, a little bit out of a ride here this weekend as Extreme Concepts Racing has uh, withdrawn from the event uh, from Daytona this weekend. We'll talk about what that means for his future, and is this a concern for him or just a blip on a radar? Plus, Cole Custer, his future has kind of been... Uh, in the rumor mill a little bit here. We'll discuss that, where we think he might go in 2020. Also, Christopher Bell, of course, he's, he's the hottest name out in the free agent market to be, as we can say. Uh, but he's at Joe Gibbs Racing. It's just a, a question of what car he will race at. We'll dive into that a little bit as well. Take your phone calls. 917-889-8280. That is the number to call us here tonight on Talking Circles. If you want to get on, talk to me, Philip, or Spencer at any time during the show. Okay, guys, let's get to it here. Silly season news is what we're going to start with. Uh, it was came out last week that Christopher Bell will remain at Joe Gibbs Racing for the 2020 season. He signed a one-year extension. Um, it's very interesting. You know, I'm going to be honest. I didn't expect this at all. I was expecting Bell to sign a multi-year extension. Uh, if he was going to sign with the Toyota team, I would have guessed it was a multi-year extension, uh, but he signs a one-year extension for Joe Gibbs Racing, and it really puts in the dilemma now, where will he be? Is it possible that he might drive a third year in the Xfinity Series for the 20 car? I think that's possible at this point. Is it possible that Eric Jones has moved out of the 20 after two lackluster seasons in that car, and Chris Revelle goes in there, and Eric Jones is either out of Joe Gibbs Racing or in the 95 car? I mean, there's a couple of options here. Uh, Philip Matthew, we'll start with you. What do you think, uh, Chris? What car do you think Christopher Bell is going to be in? And to me, Chris, uh, Philip, if, if Christopher Bell was going to be in the 20 car for 2020, it would have been a lot longer than a one-year deal. It would have been a multi-year extension, which leads me to believe it could be an Xfinity Series ride. But what are your thoughts on Christopher Bell's future here at Joe Gibbs Racing for 2020? I mean, the way that – the only signing a one year or just taking up an option year looks like it would either it's one of two things to me it would either be yes a third year in the uh, Xfinity series which back in the old days you know where both you and I, I guess come from in a sense uh, that wasn't unheard of uh, it was on un, it's unheard of when you consider the kind of productivity that 
that Christopher Bell has shown, but then there there wasn't a time. It wasn't the same deal. It's a totally different era and different time. So it would be unprecedented, and especially under the logic that, you know, Tyler Reddick more than, more than likely is going to get moved up uh, no matter what happens the rest of this year. It also seems like Cold Custard is going to be there too somehow, some way. Uh, that would be interesting if he ends up having to stay back and if he wins a championship too, it would also make it weird. But I think it's either he's staying in that 20 car, uh, you know, the, there we're talking offline about Jeffrey Earnhardt and stuff that kind of affects the situation there with JGR and their, um, Xfinity effort. And in a sense, it also affects an opportunity to expand in the cup side as well, because that was a rumor Mm -hmm. that was going along. Uh, The only other thing I can come up with when you're taking up a one-year option is it keeps it open for that he could go to the satellite organization, meaning Levine uh, family, and they actually put in some money into that effort and they say, well, we're theoretically making you a fifth car. We're going to put Chris Bell in there. He's going to learn for a year. And then we're going to see how things kind of fall uh, with uh, the other other drivers. I mean, basically, we know the 18's locked in. Uh, you know, Martin Truex, for all intents and purposes, after Joe Gibbs destroyed uh, Furniture Row, he's kind of committed to him for a couple of years, I would think. You know, then it kind of puts... Denny Hamlin back on on the chopping block. It also puts Eric Jones if he decides to keep Eric Jones uh, in a must you know perform situation. I, I think that's one of the it's one or the other. I would I would venture to say that I'm leaning towards him going and driving the 95 car next year, uh, mainly because it's not like he could do any worse than what the Benedetto's done this year. So it wouldn't be uh, it would be a net positive for Joe Gibbs to be able to to farm out his next big thing and give him a year of experience under the radar, so to speak. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing I think you know we kind of have to look at is is there's a couple of ways to look at this and and I wrote about this on uh, Front Stretch the other day and and this is the truth you know you talked about Toyota not expanding there. Their teams, they only have five full-time teams right now, five halfway decent competitive teams, four really competitive teams, and then you have Levine Family, who does pretty well, um, you know, but they're not nowhere near winning a championship yet at this point. I don't think they're going to be able to make those gains in a year to be able to do that. Um, Mike Wheeler's done a decent job there. Dee Benedetto's done a decent job there. Now, with adding Christopher Bell to that car uh, makes a significant difference? I guess we'll see if that's the case. But, you know, I've read a lot of things here, Spencer, about, you know, possibly Christopher Bell going to the 20 car. And that would mean leaving Eric Jones out of the fold. Now, let me say this. If Christopher Bell drives a 20 car in the Cup Series next season, I think Joe Gibbs Racing is going to lose Eric Jones because I think Eric Jones would look at that 95 as a sort of a demotion. And I think there might be other teams who might go out there and say, hey, you know what, Eric Jones? Yeah, you struggled in your first three years in the Cup Series. But that's okay because we saw what you can do in a truck series. We saw what you can do in the Xfinity series. And we know with the right stuff and the right experience, you can go out and you can win races. Um, and, and really now that the learning period is over, it might even be better that, that they waited a couple of years to sign Eric Jones. So 
if Bell's in the 20, Toyota loses another young driver in their driver program to another organization. And, and we've seen it countless times. You think about the drivers who have had a affiliation with Toyota in their development program. It almost makes you wonder if the development program is, is kind of useless at this point because they're, built, they're basically grooming these young drivers to go out and beat them, whether it was Joey Logano, whether it's Kyle Larson. Um, go out there and beat them on a weekly basis, and it's like, well, who, how did that guy get a shot? We gave it to him, and now he's beating us because we couldn't retain him in-house. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole situation, Spencer, with Chris Bell and uh, the 20 car and Joe Gibbs Racing? Personally, I don't think Gibbs really wants to get rid of um, Jones. You know, we all know I, I think he's a talented driver. I'll speak for myself, and I'm sure you guys think the same thing. Um, he's a champion in the truck series. He's won races in the Xfinity series. Um, but I heard that the wall is done. This is their contracts up over there. I don't know if that's 100% true, but that's what I heard. Um, but like you guys said, with Bell only signing a one-year deal, I am going to have to lean very highly for him to run another year in the Xfinity series. Um, cause like you said, if he was going to be in the 20, I think they would have went ahead and locked him up to run that 20 car, uh, a couple seasons, if not several. Um, and I don't think he would go to Levine. Um, the way they've been running, um, you know, DiBenedetto's running the same as where Casey Kane was running. So I don't really think it's the drivers. I think it's the team. Um, you know, I just don't think they're quite there to battle for top tens and wins or a championship like you mentioned. Um, so I, I think he's going to stay in the Xfinity Series. Um, if he wins a championship this time, you know, he could be a back-to-back champion in the Xfinity Series. And you know, it's hard with the team that can only have four cup teams and you can't throw a fifth in there. And um, so that's a shame on that part. And if they lose another Toyota driver, I mean, they've lost few. They've lost Byron. Um, who else did they lose? Um, John Blake Byron and uh, Bubba Wallace. There's a ton of drivers. In there. It seems like they all yeah. – Noah Gregson, they lost him. Um, yep. So I don't know. Like you said, I think the program, they're spending all this money on them and then they're leaving. And like you said, they're just preparing these drivers to go out and get another manufacturer and whip Toyota's butt. So um, I I think the only option is him to just stay in the Xfinity Series another year. And it, it, it's the only thing that makes sense. I don't see him going to Levine. I don't. Um, and there's nowhere else for him to go. So everything's kind of locked up there. I think they're going to give Jones one more year in the 20. Um, and he came out and said, he said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in the 20 car. Him and Gibbs have talked. And he put that out on some video. So I think Gibbs is going to give him another year for Jones and really see what he can do. And then uh, someone's got to give or they're going to lose. Um, Toyota and Gibbs is going to lose um, another talented race car driver. So there's just really everything's locked up, jammed up. There's really no room for anybody. And like I said, he's not going to the line. So DiBenedetto is probably going to stay there. Um, so who knows? You just got to wait and see. I'm not the one at the table is making the decision. So, I'm sure there's decisions already made. They're just not out yet. Um, but, yeah, that's all I can think of. 917-889-8280. That's the number to call to join the conversation here. Talking about the future of Christopher Bell. Uh, Philip, let's say it is an Xfinity ride because I think uh, there's a couple of options, at least three. He goes to the 20. He goes In the Cup Series, he goes to the 95, or he stays in the Xfinity Series. So let's say it's the option of that, him staying in the Xfinity Series. Uh do you think it'll stunt his growth at all? And really, um, 
are you surprised no cup team has come down and sort of swooped him up to say, you know what, Christopher, we have a driver we like, but we are, yeah, we have a driver we like, but we think you're better than him. You know, a Stuart Haas, we like we like Daniel Suarez, but we think you're better than him. Come drive us. We'll take the hit for two years because we know in three, four, five years down the road you're going to be a superstar. Uh, are you surprised it hasn't happened yet? Are you worried about uh, stunting the growth of of Christopher Bell by putting him in the Xfinity Series for another year? Yeah, I mean, the, I think it's more of a contract situation. The, the days of Jeff Gordon uh, going and basically being bought out from his Ford contract by uh, uh, Fat Fallon uh, 25 years ago, plus 30, whatever it is, you know, that those days don't really exist anymore. And I think Toyota, uh, even though they seem to lose some of these drivers, they put in a lot of energy on Chris Bell and to a lesser extent, it was Kyle Larson first and, but Ganassi basically hooked them up long before on the stock car side. And even though he drove a Toyota in the K&N series, he was a Ganassi driver. Uh, I think in this case, Toyota's hedging and, and, and Gibbs is also hedging, knowing he has a couple. I mean, I, I mean, outside of Kyle Busch at the end of the day, I don't think that any of those guys are really theoretical guarantees. Yes. Martin Truex, I get it. He's had this great last three years, and he keeps oh, on Truex doing is, yeah. really good work. But the point is the, that Truex was an, an, a Joe Gibbs guy. He's a furniture row guy. He comes from Michael Waltrip. He's been around a long time. He's an older driver, and there's other things there. Um, I don't think it would – I would put it past him to get crazy and, and say, well, I could do this with Chris Bell and put Cole Perrin with him. You know, I, I also, the 20 cars become a revolving door. Uh, yeah, Tony set it up. He built that with, with Zippy, and they built a great organization. But ever since then, you know, yeah, they had Matt Kenseth there. But in between that time, you had Joey Logano struggling there for a few years. And then you have Eric Jones, who's basically kind of in that same realm. So veterans have done well in that car. The younger drivers haven't. You have the 19 car, which is basically had a checkered history, you know, on and off. You know, Carl Edwards a little bit on, a little bit off. You had Suarez who struggled because he was the R&D guy, and now you have Truex. The 11, because of JD and all this stuff and FedEx's obsession with Denny Hamlin for whatever reason, that stayed. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Joe Gibbs had no problem getting rid of Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth was one of the only – People was really competitive for him for a good period of time because of his contract. Yeah. The reality is I would assume that Denny Hamlin's contract is pretty high relative to the fact he's never won a championship. Um, you know, I, I think at some point that has to give, you know, like it's fine. Kyle Busch, I get it. He's got an obsession with them. He's never going to get rid of them. M&Ms loves them, all this stuff. They're never getting rid of them. Uh, but, and, and theoretically Truex isn't moving either. So then that – it's fine if he stays in Xfinity. It's not unheard of in the previous past, as I said earlier. Um, in today's day and age, it's definitely unheard of because usually these guys that really do well in Xfinity get moved up that first year, 
no more than two years. It shows that Toyota has a bad business model in the sense that they've give, put all their eggs in Joe Gibbs' basket and they haven't bothered to hedge with a secondary effort. And because of that, now they're in a position where they're going to start farming out talent, which is what you guys, we've all mentioned already. They're just farming out talent for other organizations. They farmed out, they gave William Byron a shot, and then he went and got signed back up by Hendrick again. You know, the Gregson is well, daddy's money. There's That's whatever, right? It, that he was going to move anyway. There's other guys that have been in the Toyota realm, and they're getting farmed out. And, you know, this right. is going to continue. And it's basically a, it's a chess it's a chess game amongst all three manufacturers trying to steal each other's pieces at this point because there aren't enough seats right. competitive seats relative to the number of drivers that are are readily available. Yeah, and that's the thing too, Philip. You touched on that. I like that last point. I was thinking about that too. I'm like, well, you know, in the past there's been other teams that have been really we've had really competitive rides. You know, now there's only 36 charters, and let's be honest, you know, there's about I'd say 20 to 22 on a good day, winnable rides. Uh, and so there's not a ton of, you know, teams out there to go to. Uh, so I think that's a major problem. You know, uh, where we used to have 43 cars, now we only have 36. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Those cars are in the back of the field. Not all of them were. So to me, it's, it's a little bit different um, because there's just not a lot of teams there. But it's going to be fascinating to watch how this all plays out with Christopher Bell because – you know, there's no doubt I think anybody agrees who's watched some race has been really, really good. And Toyota just seems a little bit, you know, behind on adding race teams. And what really is a shame with the whole thing is that they had a really good race team with Barney Visser and Furniture Racing that was ready to expand, that had a two-car operation. And I believe Toyota, if they put a little bit of money into that race team and, and gave them some financial support along with their technical support, that you might have saw Barney Visser at least stick around for a little longer. But once he lost five-hour energy with 2X last year, he said, you know what, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. That, to me, was where Toyota should have stepped up and said, Barney, we'll make it work. We want to keep you around because you have a really, really good race team. Everything's built there. We need to expand. We need to keep these six cars as competitive as possible, and we'll even expand if we have to, if you find sponsors. But hang with us for a year or two. We'll give you our finances for a year or two, and then you can sell sponsorship that way. They didn't do that, and I think it bit them. You know, and now they're kind of there. And, and bottom line, does a good job, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, he was basically on serious, and he didn't sound all that uh, confident that his team was going to expand or really um, do what it, what it takes to to be competitive next year. I think he's more looking at it as a long term plan than a short term plan. So uh, to me, it's a it's a deal where. Um, you know, it might, that team might be pretty good in a couple of years, but not right now. 917-889-8280. Talking in circles, Clayton Cole, Philip Matthews, Spencer Cowan here tonight. Also, guys, uh, we're going to talk about Cole Custer's future here, guys. Um, Spencer, the rumors are that Cole Custer will be going to the Cup Series next season. Again, these are just rumors. Nothing reported, nothing even uh, close to being reported, but that Custer will be going to a team that will be affiliated with Stuart Haas Racing. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Cole Custer's situation, his father, Joe Custer, is a bigwig at Stuart Haas Racing. That's why he's there uh, running. You know, he ran, if you remember correctly, when he was in a truck series, he ran Chevrolet's for Junior Motorsports uh, when they had an affiliation with Hendrick. Stuart Haas, when Stuart Haas went to Ford, they, they created their own Xfinity Series team 
Cole Custer's now there at Ford, having a tremendous year this season with Mike Shiplett uh, in that double zero car in the Xfinity Series. He's won four races so far this year. There's talk he's going to come to the Cup Series, but they have to have a charter to do it. We've seen Custer run three Cup races in the past with a 32 car. Um, is that where you think he's going to go, Spencer, a 32, or do you have another idea of where Custer's going to be? And I think it has to stay sort of in the Ford family because Stuart Haas is a Ford. But what are your thoughts on, on Custer's future? Yeah, you know, I think he's definitely ready for the Cup Series, that's for sure. You know, he's proven he can go out on a uh, weekly basis and, and, you know, park his car in Victor Lane. And uh, if he, you know, he's not with the top five, if he stays out of trouble. Um, you know, he's part of the big three this year, and uh, he's ran very, very well, and he's definitely a championship contender. And, yeah, like you, I think, uh, you know, Ford would like to keep him. Um you know, he's young, he's uh, friendly, um, he's, you know, he's good for the sport, and that's what I, mean, I think these manufacturers like to have, um, these drivers like this running for them. Um, whether or not, I don't really know where he would go, but I, you know, I definitely see him in the Cup Series, and, you know, you know how some drivers, they're there because, of, you know, they got daddy, but at least he can drive. Whether or not his dad's some big head honcho over at Stort Haas, he's proven he can drive, so he's just not sucking and only there because of his dad, um, you know, like some drivers in the sport. And, um, yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be Ford. Um, but like like we said, it's only a rumor. We never know. Um, he's improved so much between this year to, to last year. And um, so, yeah, I don't know where he would go. Um, I think it's going to be a very competitive race car wherever he goes. I don't see him going to some small team that uh, just because they're Ford, that's where he's going to go. Um yeah, so I don't really know where he's going to go. I just I just planned on him going to the Cup Series, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of options you could take. You know, and I talked about it earlier, how he ran for the 32 car last year, three races, and uh, it didn't go so well for him. You know, he had a, a – or the 51, too, he ran a couple of times 51, last year. It, it didn't 51. go as well. Yeah, it, not the 32, but it didn't go as well for him, I think, as they had hoped with, with the – uh, Stuart Haas affiliated car that we have seen. Um, it's interesting because part of the rumor that I read with Christopher Bell, excuse me, part of the rumor that I read with Cole Custer was that there's also a rumor that a full time driver in the Cup Series will go back to the Xfinity Series next season. Um, again, these are just spe- this is just speculation, but that is the rumor I've heard. So when you get your brain going, you go, wow, who could that be? To me, it leads you to one option, and I know this team has come out and basically all but announced that Michael McDowell and David Reagan would be back at that team next season. Uh, Front Front Row Motorsports has announced that Reagan and McDowell basically will be announced that will be racing next season. They came out with a sponsor this week uh, that will sponsor the team in 2020, and they said, "Hey, McDowell and Reagan are going to be here in 2020," but they sort of left out Matt Tift, which was kind of curious to me. I went, "Hmm." I wonder if Front Row Motorsports, which has been sort of on their own for a long time, they've had an affiliation with Roush, uh, but they, they build their own chassis. I wonder if they look at the 35 car, which has a charter, locked in, and Tiff's had a really tough year this year. He's a rookie. He's learning. But I think everybody sort of expected him to do a little bit better than what he's doing. And maybe Bob Jenkins is sitting there going, you know what, that 35 car will sort of loan out the Stuart Haas Racing, the fifth Stuart Haas car, We'll get a lot of money there. We'll get some Stuart Haas resources and information to help our other two teams. We'll still focus on our two race teams, 
Stuart Haas will essentially have five race cars, and the 35 will be under the Front Row Motorsports banner, but it won't be essentially a Front Row Motorsports car. It'll be essentially a Stuart Haas racing car with the number 35 on it or whatever number they want to throw on it. That was the 35 team a year ago. I think we could definitely see that fill up. Chip go back into the Xfinity Series, double zero car. Maybe Mike Shipwick comes up with Cole Custer since they've run really good this year. Uh, that's just a thought in my brain going because that's a Ford team, a team that might have, might be able to move a driver around. Uh, and I think if you give them a little bit more, um, you know, you make like I said, you make that that 35 team a Stuart Haas racing team. Uh, I think that's sort of the best option for Custer. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think maybe a 32 is an option for him if, if Corey LaJoy doesn't return there, or uh, Rick Ware, which has a couple couple of charters there? Do you think that might be an option? What are your thoughts, Philip? Yeah, I mean, outside of the big, you know, the big two Ford teams, uh, which is Stuart Haas, Penske, whichever way you want to put it, then you have Roush, which is an outside option. It's a very outside option, of course, because of how things have gone down for them over recent years. Uh, I would think that that might be in play uh, because I think he still has a charter, uh, Jack Roush. Uh, as an extra charter out there uh, that is somewhere, which is part of why these, the charter system in itself is kind of a joke. But, I mean, it's the same way as Rick Ware has two or three charters and his team is a disaster. I mean, the reality is Rick Ware's team, they could go and sell it and put it in some sort of guise, and he could they could have a shell team and they could – uh, have Stuart Haas be a fifth car right there with Cole Custer. I think that's definitely there. Two of the three cars they seemingly run on a weekly basis are Fords. I mean, now they basically expanded out to running three teams on a weekly basis, and two of them are Fords. So where are they getting all this uh, <clears throat> equipment or stuff to go and do this? Uh, the 32 is is an, is an interesting uh, concept because they're a team that for a long time had that affiliation. Frank Stoddard had all those connections. I don't know how much of his involvement is there anymore. I remember when they had Go Fast or whatever when they're, they're Go Fast Racing, but then it's like they had the the one connection with the Canadian driver Alex LeBay. I think Can Am was their sponsor for a long time, but then Can Am disappeared altogether, and Alex LeBay is now not. Uh, driving all that often, um, that might be something that if they put in a lot of money into that team, that might be in play. It would be similar to Levine Family Racing in that sense. I do think of all the uh, options that you brought up there, that making that 36 car into like a double zero, or I guess making it keeping it 36 to not make it look, you know, fishy. Uh, would be the move, I think, for Bob Jenkins and for that organization trying to move forward to the 21st century and actually have a driver that might be able to to compete. Um, No offense to you, Clayton, other than Daytona and Talladega, would probably be a good move for their organization. And... um, I think for Cole Custer and moving Shiplet up would probably be part of the plan would be the idea. And I think it would be the right uh, 
right move and I think probably the easiest move, the cleanest move they can make. Um, and it would help multiple parties in, in this process. I, and, I, and I think that's probably in the end, you know, give this about three months, you know, we'll get to October. I think there'll be some, some money, put the, they'll put some sponsorship together and there'll be some announcements and, and they'll uh, say Cole Custer is going to be a rookie next year in the Cup Series driving that 36 uh, full time. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, and I, call, I kept calling it the 35. You know, when Front Row Motorsports had their fifth car a couple of years ago with Josh Wise, and it was number 35. Yeah, it was so 35. Naturally, naturally, I'm thinking 35, and it's 36. I don't know what what's going on in my brain. But, uh, yeah, number 36 is Tiff this year. And Tiff might, you know, I could totally see him saying, okay, I'll go to the Xfinity Series because that's a really, really, really good car, that double zero. Uh, and he, you know, maybe expanded his career that way a little bit. So, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on what Custer does here in the future as well. Just something to kind of kick, kick around there, guys. Uh, couple, another kind of, I guess you could call it silly season, but not really uh, in the middle of the year. It looks like Jeffrey Earnhardt Spencer here. Uh, some bad news for him today. Extreme Concepts Racing, the number 81 car. He's run a couple of races. He's run, I think, one race for that team in their Cup Series this year. He's also run a handful of them for, for them in the Xfinity Series. They ran just last weekend at Chicagoland Speedway. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt finished 16th in that race in the Xfinity Series, but they withdrew their entry from Daytona today. Um, and Earnhardt tweeted he will not be racing this weekend. Uh, are you concerned? I mean, anytime a, a team pulls out, it, it kind of puts up that in your brain where you go, oh, you know, I wonder what's going on there. Also, there's talk that IK9, which um, I think is a, is a subsidiary or a brand of Extreme Concepts, their stickers have been pulled off of Joe Gibbs Racing. So uh, it makes you wonder if there's some kind of financial trouble going on there with Extreme Concepts slash IK9 and what that means for Jeffrey Earnhardt's future. But uh, what are your thoughts on this whole Jeffrey Earnhardt situation, Spencer? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter that he was, uh, you know, announced that he won't be at the track this week. Yeah, I I mean, he's had such a rough, He's had so many rough rides, you know, Circle Sport Motorsports with that 33 Hulu car, that car, that team is a joke. He struggled there. He's just had, he's, he's worked so hard, I would say, and had to be with such crappy equipment, but in his mind, it was ride time, it was seat time, so he took it, and I understand that. But yeah, I don't know, I, I didn't know the whole uh, IK9 was taken off of Joe Gibbs or whatever, Um I mean, he's somewhat has proven he can run a lot better in good equipment. So I don't necessarily think his career is over with. Um, and, you know, if this is a financial issue, I, I'm not in the marketing thing for them or do all the paperwork for the team, so I couldn't tell you. Um, but, no, I don't think it, this would hurt his career. Um, I think he, he can get another ride if he brings sponsorship. And let's face it, his last name will probably end up finding him a sponsor. Um so if he, you know, if this team is on its way out, and he doesn't do anything with Joe Gibbs um, next year or whatever, like he did then beginning of the year, uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, losing the sponsor is not a good deal. That's a, that's a bad deal. You need sponsors to go to the racetrack, and like we mentioned earlier, championship team also sponsor, and they had to quit. So uh, yeah, who knows? I don't think it, this is going to hurt his career. I think he can find another ride but I couldn't tell you what the deal is with this, this team moving forward, whether they're going to run more races or they're just pulled away from here and then they're going to realize, hey, we can't do this no more unless we get some bigger and better sponsors to step up to the plate. So 
I think he'll find another ride if this one goes sour. But other than that, uh, you know, he might be on the track later in the season if they can get a sponsor or two. Yeah, and that I think the most concerning thing about that ride in the 81 was the fact – now, he has some races scheduled in the 18. I'm not sure if he used them all up already, but I know he, he ran some races in 18 earlier this year. I'm not sure if he's got more left. But the fact that the company owned the race team. So, you know, and he he was sounded confident on Twitter. Now, maybe he was sort of looking at it and saying, uh, you know, trying to have the best outcome possible in your brain, saying, hey, you know, I'll be back at the track shortly. But uh, I would be a little concerned because it, it, the company owned his race team. Um, and he was really excited. They had a, an affiliation with Joe Gibbs Racing, that Xfinity Series team. So that was a huge deal for him as well. We kind of looked at it and said, okay, he found a home here. You know, uh, he didn't really, um, you know, he never really had, like you said, he never really had a competitive ride before that. Okay, he found a home with Joe Gibbs Racing. Maybe give him a couple of years to sort of try and spread his wings. But he struggled um, before this. And, and he got Joe Gibbs Racing. He did okay there. Had a couple of, of races where, um, I thought he could do a little bit better, but he did. He did fine for the, for the handful of races he ran there. Uh, I was concerned last weekend because he went up there and they weren't competitive at all at Chicagoland, and I was curious as to why that was. You know, we talk about the Xfinity Series when we um, when we go back and review the Xfinity Series about how there's only 12 cars in that series, 12, 13 cars in that series that are really competitive. You know, you got that one group, and then you got everybody else, and he wasn't in the top first top group there. And that team was the first couple of races. So I'm sitting there going, Why? what's going on with Jeffrey Earnhardt? What's going on with – are they that far off, or is there a problem with this race team? Well, come to find out, it might, be, it might have been some financial issues there. Uh, and I, well, I guess we'll wait for the whole story to come out. But not the best news to, of the day for Jeffrey Earnhardt, if you're a Jeffrey Earnhardt fan, Philip Matthew. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, I, I feel sad for him, and, you know, it, it was a great – story after all these years of being in the whatever the lower level uh, rides in trucks and Xfinity and Cup. He went sports car racing for Rick Ware even. I mean he's he's run the gamut. He's run Euro series. Uh, this looked like an opportunity and it's things you know he loves animals. He's got a passion for that and I think they also have stuff to do with like uh whatever uh, a fighting you know kind of um whatever um, mma type thing which is something he did also previously uh losing a sponsor at this point in the year is really not it doesn't matter how you put it it's not good uh there have been signs and there have been rumors and jokes that this is like one of those fly-by-night sponsors that are too good to be true and it's going to blow up um, we were talking about it offhand, offline, uh, about other people who are involved with this extreme concepts and IK9. Uh, but for Jeffrey, he's always fought, and he wanted to get he, – he hedged to get into the 18 car because he knew that if he got in the 18 car, he could prove he can actually drive a race car. And generally speaking, he has. Um, he's done well. I mean, okay, fine, he's not Kyle Busch, but – there's a reason why Kyle Busch is who he is. And they insist on talking about every win like it's the greatest one's ever happened. The reality is Jeffrey Earnhardt never has been at that level, but he he didn't wreck race cars. He drove well. He had a couple top five. He had a top five or at least two top fives, a few top ten. Like, he was competitive. And unfortunately, the money ran out. 
It may be back to running those lower level rides, start and parking, you know, kind of deal again. And it's a shame because I, he's done it the right way. It's not like a lot of drivers in today's day and age. And he's had the full opportunity to go and say, I'm the grandson, I'm the first grandchild of Dale Earnhardt you know, go and sponsor me. And he kind of looks like him. He kind of talks like him. You know, he's got all these mannerisms and things of his, his grandfather. But just like his grandfather, he's like, I want to prove myself. Didn't have the talent of his grandfather, but he's like, I want to prove myself and work up the right way. And he did. Uh, hopefully somebody gives him a shot. There's some newer organization. There's some second-level organizations out there that if they want to have a solid driver, uh, that he would do a, a decent job for him, and hopefully he can, you know, I, it may end up being like what the what's the guy who um, who was uh, driving in the Arca series? He's driving a 22 car. He might be. Um, it might work Goodbye. out like that guy. Yeah. No, Joe, not Joe Graff. The guy that's actually good. Um, uh, the the one just... that's winning. The, Ty Majewski, like how Ty Majewski didn't have anything, and then he went back to ARCA, and now he wins every time he gets in the car, and now he's kind of in play for the double zero if Ford wants to go and put him in if they move Cole Custer up. You know, like it might be an option that way. Maybe moving back to ARCA, K&N might be a play because there's some options there. You know, we'll see what happens with that. It's a shame, though, for Jeffrey. It is, and, uh, you know, it, every time you get to Daytona, you think you can't help but think of the Earnhardt name, whether it's Dale Sr. with all the success he had there and Dale Jr. with the success he had there as well. You know, I think Ernst Sr. won 36 races there uh, at one time. And I know Dale won a lot. Jr. won a lot too. Um, you know, so when you go to Daytona, you think of the Earnhardt name, and, and the fact that they're not running there, again, this weekend, you're sort of like, wow. It's kind of weird that, you know, Earnhardt isn't really in the race at all, um, and Petty's not really in the race at all anymore, and Labonte and, and these names that have been so accustomed to NASCAR over the last uh, 30, 40 years aren't, aren't around anymore. It's just kind of it's just kind of shocking, I guess. Um, and, and it's 2019. I think it's a little bit premature than everybody thought because I think everybody kind of thought, well, Junior will be around at least till 2021, uh, and then he had his injuries and, and was had kind of had to retire. So uh, it, it's certainly changed the game a little bit as far as that is concerned. Speaking of Daytona, guys, it's a doubleheader weekend this weekend at Daytona. Xfinity Series racing on Friday night, the uh, Subway Firecracker 400 or 200, 250, excuse me, goodness, uh, at the Xfinity Series. Also, the Cup Series, the Cook Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. Interesting news about that race in particular, guys. Um, the stages have now increased by 10 laps. Last year and in the, in the couple of years prior we've done stages, it was a uh, the, the stages were 40 laps, 40 laps, and then the final run was uh, 80 laps. This Now it's going to be um, 50 laps, 50 laps, and 60 laps for the final stage. They want to prevent a fuel, really, fuel mileage dictating the stage results is how they phrased it. Um, it sort of puts an interesting little twist on this race, Spencer. I'm curious to see what these big teams do. You know, listen, Daytona is sort of a, a racetrack where we all know how it is. Um, it's survival at, at times, you know, where, where you cause a wreck, 
You want to stay out of a wreck. Now, these bigger teams that I think the top 10 or 12 teams in points that are pretty much locked into the playoffs, I think they can strategize this race a little bit differently than the rest of the field because the rest of the field needs to get in. These guys don't necessarily have to win, but they might want to get stage points. So I think what this does is typically, guys, a few mileage race, a few mileage run is about 40 laps here at Daytona. Uh, it might give or take a few here and there, but they didn't want uh, you know a few miles to dictate it. Um, so I'm curious to see if these teams are going to pull in with on lap 15 or 20 the teams that are locked in and say you know what we'll kind of hang out in the back for till you guys have to pit if you want to split this stage in half and we'll be able to gain track position that way. Uh, I think it sort of makes it a little bit more interesting, Spencer, as far as how these teams are going to go about it. But what do you think these t- extra 10 laps are going to do? Do you think it's going to make a huge deal, or do you think it's not going to make too big of a deal? What are your thoughts? Honestly, I don't think it's going to make too big of a deal. You know, it is only 10 laps, but the track is so big. I still think we're going to see the same thing. I think they're going to split the stage, come down in the – you made a good point. Are they going to come early, or are they just going to continue to do what they normally do, and that's split the stage in half? Um you know, this track, we all know it's not about tires. It's all about fuel. Um, that's why they did this rule, apparently. So, I don't really think it's going to change much. Um, you know, I wish I had a better answer for you guys, but uh, I'm not on top of the pit box. But me as a spectator and from the previous with it gaining 10 laps, um, you know, there are there can be a lot of cautions. So, you also got to factor in the cautions, too. Will the cautions affect how these stages and when do they pit, I'm sure. Um but the guys who need to win, need to make it in, you know, them guys that are right below the cut line, let's face it, this is probably their only shot to get in. And about four or five of those have to get in, and only one of them can win. So um, it's going to be, I think, the teams that are really, really wanting to make playoffs and really have to win to make it, they're going to do the they're going to do the gambling and try to stay out. But the big teams um, that are locked in, they and really don't need a stage point or care about stage points, they're the ones that are, might come in early and, you know, ride around in the back, like you said. Um, I wish I had a better answer, but I really don't. So I think that's what's going to happen. I don't yeah. really think it's going to make much of a deal. Well, I'll tell you the thing that's interesting as well. Another thing that's interesting as well here, and, and I, maybe I'm wrong that it was 40 lots of fuel mileage, maybe it's 50. But uh, I believe, I believe you know, we have to pit in the, in the duels and there's 60 laps. So anyway, um I think it's going to be interesting to see how people run that last stage to fill up because now it's 60 laps. It's no longer 40. So let's say if you wanted to split that stage in half, you do it at 40 laps. And you probably need a, a pretty close to a full amount of fuel, full fuel cell to make the last 40 laps if you split that last stage in half at 80 laps. Uh, 40 and 40, you sit there and go, okay, we need a full you know, tank of fuel. We might as well take four tires because um, – you know, we're, we're going to get the gas anyway. We're going to be waiting on gas anyway. So we might as well get the four tires. Well, now that it's 60, you might see teams say, you know what, we'll run it as, as close to empty as we can, and then we're going to come in and get half, take half a can of fuel or one can of fuel and take two tires because we want to spend as less, less time on pit road as we possibly can, and we'll try and steal some positions, steal some track position that way. Now, this isn't a perfect world, guys. You would think at Daytona and Talladega in these races that – you know, we have some cautions that will completely screw up all these uh, you know, scenarios that I'm throwing at you. But it is possible that teams will look at it that way, Philip. that I think, you know, they'll look at it and say, hey, 
two tires, let's take two tires or even no tires and just get gassier for that final stage. Now, run it because tires don't mean as much as they used to. Back when we were growing up, uh, Philip, it was the tires meant everything here at Daytona because yeah. it was so worn. But now that they recently paved it in the last 10 years, uh, tires don't mean that much anymore. Um, what are your thoughts on that final stage? And do you, how about what are your thoughts on, on the stage length changes in general? I mean, I don't, I, I don't really mind it in a sense that I don't think it really makes a difference when it comes to how restrictor plate, what we call, whatever they want to call it, racing at Daytona and Talladega uh, has been over the past 30 plus years. Uh, more or less these days, a lot of the drivers don't really have respect for each other and or the equipment which is why they have basically become demo derbies. So in a sense, like I know Spencer talked about it there, and there's, to me, there's a high likelihood of it being a demo derby, which means that the stage, you know, cutting the, my my thinking is the way they made these stages, it, it would be a lot like Sonoma, in that there be the teams that decide they want stage points versus the teams that are trying to win the race, in a sense. But then in, in, instead of it doing that way, it's the people who want the stage points versus the teams that are just holding, that are going to pull the Dale Jarrett and go all the way to the back and sit in the back for the first 120 laps of the first 300 miles of the race. And then with 40 to go, they'll they'll go and move up there's going to be some of the lower level lower funded teams only daytona talladega only type teams that probably hold back come up with 40 to go that's how ross chastain got a top 10 in this in the 500 earlier this year you know there there's going to be two distinct uh strategies i there are going to be teams that are trying to get those stage points to help their cause um I think the last stage will probably, in the end, I do believe the cautions are going to play a role in uh, in the pit strategy in that they'll, especially in that final stage, I don't think it'll be that much of a concern. I figure there's going to be at least one big rack, possibly two, where people are going to pit. Uh, the tires aren't an issue anymore because of how smooth, relatively speaking, and because of all the changes they've made to the cars to where they're basically, you know, they don't have any suspension travel anymore and stuff like that. Uh, the only thing that would really change that is if they wash all the, if there's rain, which it's Daytona in July, there's entirely possible that you'll have a thunderstorm or some sort of shower, wash the, the rubber off the racetrack. And then, you know, Badger will come through as usual with their, rock hard tires and they'll they'll fail that would add a extra added element there but i think for the crew chiefs it's hard to plan there i think it's really a case the pit strategy will be based on who wants the stage points versus who doesn't want uh who doesn't who don't who who really doesn't care about the stage points at least in the first two yeah I'm just curious to see how it's all going to play out because I know these teams, you know, Bill Walsh used to do this all the time. And, and, you know, if you don't know who Bill Walsh is, he was a former coach of the San Francisco 49ers, legendary head coach. 
Uh, you know, they they used to script out their first 20, 15, 20 plays. And, you know, a lot of people think that's kind of dumb because, you well, you never know, you might be down, you know, 10 nothing before you run your first 20 plays. But he's like, at least it gives you an idea of, okay, you know, I, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, we have these plays. We know what they're what can come up next and why we have to do it. It just gives you sort of a baseline of, of what you want to do and what plays you're more confident in and what situations and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and these teams are going to plan it. You know that. They have to because you never know if it runs green. You'll never know if that's the case. And I'm curious to see what this new package does. You know, I loved what we saw at Talladega earlier in the year where we didn't to- totally see uh, where the bottom lane wasn't like – you weren't dead in the bottom lane like we've seen in the past year. I'm hoping it's the same at Daytona. The night race might make it a little bit more – might make it a lot different. But, um, you know, there's – it's funny because I'm going to ask you guys your picks here in a second, but uh, it, it is almost like pulling it out of a hat, no doubt, for uh, these races. But, you know, when you make your picks or, or if you want to do it this way, you know, I guess I'll ask you instead of um, who do you think is going to win, I, I guess I'm going to ask you who do you think needs to win the most. Um, you know, this way it sort of gives fans a little bit of a better perspective as far as, okay, well, i got to watch this guy because if this guy wins, it will change a lot of things up. For example, and I hope I don't steal somebody's way, but, you know, a guy like Christopher Buescher, who um, is, has had a really good year, but is points-wise is out. He's probably not going to make it in those points. But if he gets in the playoffs, he might be able to do something a little, a little bit because he's shown some speed on the mile and a half. Now, they haven't put the consistency together, I think, to make a run at it for points-wise, but they've done pretty well, especially in the last 10 races. I think they've done very, very well. Uh, so that's a driver who you might look at and say, well, he needs to win in most because if they get in the playoffs, they'll be really good. Um, I, I'll start with you, Philip. I guess. On the Xfinity Series side of things, who do you think needs to win this race the most in your mind? In terms of the Xfinity Series race, I'll go back to where the Talladega and who finished second in the Talladega Xfinity race. I'll say Greg Alden. And there's there's 12 cars that are going to make the playoffs. Once Ross Chastain decided to change his, his designation, it basically set the field without a Hail Mary uh, winner. And, I mean, and even then, Ross Chastain wasn't going to make the playoffs with the 14 because of their drop-off in performance this year. The but if there is one person that if they can win this race it would change everything for them, uh, their season. It I mean I would say it's it's Greg Alden because he proved at Talladega that they had a really good piece, and if he had gotten help he might have been able to win that race. And fundamentally outside of him I don't see any of those other regular type the regular the efforts that have been around uh, this year that are outside of the points really doing anything to get in. I think it would be, it would be uh, the, the 08 of Greg Alden. That's to me the one that would make the most sense if they can go and back it in and, and get that victory at Daytona. It would be huge for that organization and it would be huge for him and his career and yeah. in general. It would be. It would be huge. It'd be awesome to see, as far as uh, awesome as far as the storyline would be concerned, because it would certainly add some spice to the Xfinity series. And, and if that doesn't happen, somebody outside the points 
wins, uh, it'll it'll be pretty much a lackluster uh, Xfinity Series playoff chase like we've talked about a little bit. How about you, Spencer? I mean, there's a couple options you can go here. Uh, what do you think? Who do you think? Uh, you know, like I said, pretty much anybody in a car. I mean, listen, you know, if you know me, Spencer, and I'm sure you know who I always pull for when I go down here at Daytona in the February race is uh, Jeff Green. I always kind of like him because he's a veteran driver, a champion, and I always feel like he runs his guts out on these on these restricted play tracks. Well, this could be his final race, actual race of his career. He's actually having some surgery on his arm, on his hand in a couple of weeks. So he's going to uh, stop racing, stop starting and parking, I guess you want to call it, after Kentucky. But they're going to run hard. He's got a sponsor this weekend. Uh, I think it's Ziegler Auto Group on that 93 car this weekend for RSS Racing. So he's going to run hard and try and win. He said he's going for the win at Daytona this weekend. I'd love to see it. Um, but, you know, that's just an example of a guy, somebody like that, who might be able to pull off a victory uh, that would stun a lot of people. Who, who do you think, Spencer, uh, sort of needs to win this race um, more than than somebody else on there? And that's just win the race, not win to make the playoffs, correct? Yeah, I don't care if it's – listen, I mean, there's some guys in this, in this sport here, in this race here, you know, Shane Lee's a driver who – uh, that team's only in their second and third race at H2 Motorsports. Uh, and the Circuit City team, or Toyota, they, they could definitely, I think, surprise some people and pull off a win. And that would be huge for his career and for Circuit City and for that team. So, yeah, he's not eligible for the playoffs because he hasn't run a lot of the races in this season, but that would be a huge win for him. Um, I'm going to say Jeremy Clement, honestly. You know, he does have that win at the road course, but – you know, I feel like, you know, he really, you know, I know he runs for a family team or whatever. Um, but I feel like he, so he's not going to go anywhere unless the team just can't financially afford it. But I feel like he would need to win to really get his name out there more. And I know it's a restricted play. And if some low guy wins or not so popular guy wins, they're going to be like, oh, it's a restricted play. Well, guess what? He has the trophy and you've never even been inside of a race car. So I feel like. He would need to win to try to kind of prove himself to the audience, more to say. Um, and I'm going to go – and I have one more guy that I think needs to win um, just to show – and he's a bigger name, but I feel like he really needs to park something in victory lane, and that's Brendan Jones. Um, I know, you know, he kind of wrecks a lot, but he's over there at Joe Gibbs. I really think – and he has sponsorship with Menards, but I really think he needs to win um, and really – more, you know, show us and his sponsors that he can win. Um, so there's just those guys that you, you, they just need to win just to get their name out there and just to put their name on a wins list, honestly, because they struggle. Um, I can actually, I really see him needing to win a race. Um, and I know he's in the playoffs. The whole top 12 is already locked in. But um, those two really stand out in my eyes that really have something that they need to prove and show that they're, in the ride for a reason. Um, so, yeah, those are the only two. And then when we get to the Cup Series, I'll pick those guys. Yeah, let's do that now because, um, you know, it's been a great show so far, and I want to end it strong here. Cup Series, uh, 40 cars, guys. You know, there's a few uh, kind of outliers this weekend who we don't normally see parking in the 96. You also have Brendan Gawin in the 62. Joey Gase is in a third Rick Ware racing car, number 53 this weekend. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for the drivers who – Sort of come down. Uh, it's going to be um, 
not researching in 27. That entry list is wrong. So we Ross Chastain in 27 this weekend, guys, too. So he's somebody to keep an eye on there as well for premium motorsports. Uh, who do you think, Spencer? You know, I'm going to ask you the same thing again. Anybody first to win these races? I think you have of these 40 cars, I think there's like 34, 35 who can ultimately end up in victory lane. Uh, who do you think needs to win this race more than, than anybody? Oof. Um, I'm going to go and kind of stick to the topic that we were on earlier. I think Max Benedetto, um, just because, you know, the whole the whole Christopher Bell situation, I feel like if he wins, and I know that we all agree that he's not going to go to the 95, but just to 100%, I think, he, uh, reserve his spot for next year in 2020 season. I really think he should would need to park the car in victory lane. And uh, I thought, you know, that would mean the world to Levon. Um, and they run very well at Daytona and the restricted plates. You know, Kane was up front. Uh, Michael McDowell always did well in it. Scott Speed would run up front in the car sometimes. So, you know, they got a good restricted uh, plate program. So just uh, real, and that would mean so much to him too. Um, like he's worked hard to get where he's at, you know, small teams over there with the, the 32 team. And then, um, you know, other smaller teams that he's ran with previously, that would mean the world to Levine and uh, Benedetto to really park that car in victory lane. And that would just ramp up their, um, you know, their momentum. And uh, momentum's huge in the sport. And I really get confident yeah. builder for that team. Yeah. Um, just to kind of, like I said, secure his spot and prove that prove to everybody that he, he wants to win. Uh, I think he's a good driver. Um, I don't think it's him as a performance uh thing over at the 95 because like i mentioned kane really didn't do anything there either so uh it'd be that ramp up their momentum and i think they'd be good for the whole organization over there to park the 95 car victory that's an interesting guess you know i think or an interesting not guess but an interesting choice you said there i think um it's certainly interesting because you can go a completely different way i was not feeling phillips guy but you can also go eric jones who's defending winner of this race guys uh you know and he hasn't won since you know, and sort of have the same mentality you just had where, hey, you know, it would be harder for Joe Gibbs to kick Eric Jones out of this 20 car if he wins at, at Daytona. You know, we sort of said the same thing when, when Denny Hamill won the Daytona 500 earlier this year. Like, well, <laughs> that's an option for Chris. That's an option gone for Christopher Bell where a lot of people thought maybe the 11 was going to be an option. Well, not really because FedEx just won Daytona 500 with Denny Hamlin. They're not going to pull Denny Hamlin off a year later and say, sorry, we're going to put a young kid in that car. Um so it's kind of curious, you know. You could go, you could definitely understand your line of thinking there with Di Benedetto, but you can also tie it in with Eric Jones. Uh, there's a lot of options here, Philip. I'm going to give mine after you're done here. But who do you think needs to win this race a little bit more uh, than anybody else? I got two. Uh, one is the 2018 Daytona 500 winner in Austin Dillon. Uh, he basically hasn't sniffed victory lane ever since. I mean, you can blame it on Chevy. Can blame it on a bunch of things. Uh, last week he was on pole, and I think he dropped like an anchor for the most part. And that's basically what RCR has done on these cookie cutters. They qualify well and then don't do anything in the race. He's and the RCR in general has always been big on performing well at Daytona and Talladega because of Dale Earnhardt. I think for them, being as far as they are out of contention for the playoffs, it would be a major uh, 
a deal for them for the three and all these other things and all the symmetry that goes on with that. The other one I have is Paul Menard because ever since he's gone to that 21 team and they have not really been great. I mean, generally speaking, when you talk about Paul Menard, I mean, he has his fan base, he has his mock, whatever, the Paul Menard empire and all that, but there really isn't a whole lot of results. It, it kind of makes even Blaney's results look better, and his results were kind of inconsistent. Uh, I would think for one or both, one of those guys to go and win, it would be pretty big uh, on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I tell you, that, those are two good guesses as well. And it's funny because for whatever reason, we can go to the Cup Series and have a lot more options, I think, than we do in the Xfinity Series. Uh, I'll tell you a guy I'm going to go with, and I, I'm going to go with this guy because I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, and you could disagree with – you guys can both disagree with this, and the fans listening can disagree with this all they want. But I am not, not – I do not like where this team is trending. Um, and I just think with Chevrolet last week with how they performed, and I think with Toyota with what we see from them – uh, and that this team has yet to visit victory lane. I'm not in love with where they're trending, guys. And this is a guy who has yet to win a race um, in the Cup Series, but he's been around here for now a couple of years, uh, and he's starting to get that thing. And if he doesn't make the playoffs this year in this car, I think people are really going to question his skill and his talent. They're going to say, well, you know, he's been at Jokers Racing for the last couple of years in the playoffs, and now he's over there at the 41 car, and he's still not really doing that well. Maybe Daniel Suarez isn't the driver we all think he was when he showed that amazing run in the playoffs a few years back to win the Xfinity Series championship. Uh, I think Daniel Suarez is a guy who needs to win this race badly. Uh, He's in a very, very good car. You know the engines are going to be great there because Robert Yates' engines and Doug Yates' engines, however you want to call them, have always been tremendous there at the the super speedways, even back to the days of when, you know, Davey Allison ran for that race team. Uh, and had those engines, and they were tremendous there on the super speedways. There was no doubt when when you had a Yates engine at a super speedway, you were contending to win, and now all the Fords have them, so all the Fords are really shot have a shot to win it. But Suarez, to me, he's got to be, and I don't know if he needs, I mean, I, it would be huge if he wins this race, but even to have a big race to where he makes some noise here, and people say, wow, you know, he, you know he was there, and say, well, Suarez is really at a fast race car, and if he finishes third and he led some laps, it was really up there. You go, wow, that was a nice kind of showing from Suarez today. I think people would swallow a little bit better, but I don't like what – and it's not Suarez per se in F41T per se. I'm just not in love with what Stuart Haas Racing has been doing lately. you got his teammate Boyer back there dropping in points as well. Um, and, you know, if Jones starts to trend up here and Ryan Newman starts to pull off some, some nice wins, they could be in real tr- – or nice runs. They could be in some real trouble here as far as the playoffs are concerned. So I think Suarez – uh, as far as the career is concerned, and, and just those whispers to go away, I think he's a guy uh, who needs to win this race more than anybody. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. I want to thank Philip Matthews and Spencer Cowan. You guys are great. I'm Clayton Caldwell here tonight, guys. Uh, we'll see you after the Sunday, after the uh, Coke Zero Sugar 400. We'll break down the Coke Zero Sugar 400. We'll break down the Xfinity Series race on Friday. Talk about any other news, all the news from the week as well at Daytona. We'll be here on Talking Circles to discuss it. Thanks, guys. Have a great night, and have a very safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, please be safe. You know, If you're going to be lighting fireworks, be safe doing that, um, and we'll see you and get ready for some great racing at Daytona National Speedway this weekend. Good night, everybody. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.